Good morning and welcome to the Preventing Grace podcast. It is June 12th and uh, it's it's still very gray here. I don't know if there's any more Canadian smoke. Maybe this is just regular Binghamton weather. Yesterday was really sunny, so I guess I don't even know what I'm talking about. We just had the... Are the fires still going on? Yeah, it's clear. It's new. Okay. There's probably fires still going on, but maybe the wind isn't blowing them this way. Which is really what's important. Not the existence of the fires, but as long as they keep their smoke up there. I'm just kidding. So, I don't have anything I want to say on the podcast today because I want to go back to sleep. I just had... You had a terrible, not a terrible, weekend. a good, a great weekend, actually. Everything, everything went well that you you touched this weekend. So you had the catechesis training for a large number of women for catechesis of the Good Shepherd, and it was, <coughs> it went super well. Yeah. I'm really, really happy. I, it sounds morbid, but I'm, I can die now if I need to. Because then the last 20 years of my life will not have been lived in vain. I've been trying to keep Catechesis of the Good Shepherd alive at Good Shepherd. So a lot of people think that Catechesis of the Good Shepherd is the invention of Church of the Good Shepherd. And that's not true. (laughs) It just happens that... Other churches are named Good Shepherd. Yeah, other churches. And other things are named Good Shepherd because Jesus... Yeah, Jesus is a Good Shepherd. So it's just... it's serendipity that our church which is called good shepherd also uses a sunday school program called good shepherd catechesis good shepherd that we had thought we were going to use the catechesis good shepherd before we even came to good shepherd we didn't know we were coming to good shepherd when we first heard it was already here we arrived yeah 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 Yeah. so it is a great program i've been shilling it for the last 20 years trying to get people to do it everywhere including in my own church and the churches around here and so I Friedman says that what you need to do in your life is not pass on not delegate responsibility but delegate anxiety and I have definitely done that in spades I'm so happy and that is a much better thing to do if you're if you really care about something don't give someone a task give them the whole emotional landscape and all the terror that leads up to the task and then be like, it's for Jesus. Okay. Have, have a nice day. How have you, um, how have you done that? How have you delegated anxiety? What do you mean? Because they all in just one day were, because I'm not that great a communicator. Okay. I do. I can write a blog post pretty well. Sure. But I cannot really describe in a helpful way what catechesis is and why it works and why I love it so much. So people always look at me like, what are you talking about? Please be quiet. (laughs) But sure, I'll help you, I guess. Like all of our kids, I think, are Christian because of this program. Well, because of Jesus. Well, right. The the, 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 the thing this program does is introduces children to Jesus in a really clear, uh, powerful way, I think. Um, in a way that kids can hear it for some reason. I think I'm not sure the word you're looking for is impactful. Impactful way, right, right, <laughs> right, right. And of course, it's not. I mean, I, one objection I always hear about catechesis is that it's a Roman Catholic program. Well, 
it did begin with in Rome, but there's when you have an Anglican church, you, you modify it, right? You don't do the you don't do the Roman things. You do the Except Anglican things. Level mm -hmm. one, a three to six year old child. There's there's not much there. Cavaletti believed that very young children should receive that which is most essential. Hey, guess guess what's most essential? Jesus, the Good Shepherd. <laughs> Purgatory. No. <laughs> Indulgences. No. <laughs> nope. And the liturgy, even, the reason why churches do liturgical forms of worship is because liturgy speaks to that which is most essential. If you're doing your liturgy right, your liturgy is essential. It, it only has um, the most beautiful and the most essential aspects of our life in Christ, yeah. which is like baptism and the Holy Communion. So, well, I mean, I guess you can have other stuff too, but liturgy is really, really good when it, when it flows out of the scripture and when it's essential and in the, the, the first level atrium, everything comes out of the Bible. It's just basically Sophia to me sounded, sounds like a Protestant when I read the book I mean, she sounds like Martin Luther when I read. Well, not that I've read a lot of Martin Luther, but the little that I've read. So she, the teacher did, there's two lessons called Enthronement of the Bible and Bible in the Prayer Corner. And my beautiful group here was in tears. Like I've tried to, I've done that lesson. Well, no, not the same one. People don't cry when I do it. But it just re is reordering, reorder, reordering their the categories of people their own spiritual lives because i think what was wonderful about this weekend is people said to me well evangelicals believe that the bible is sufficient they believe in the bible but in no way in the handling of the bible is it communicated that the bible is sufficient and the word of god even you say that all the time but the way that you guys are handling the scriptures talking about the Bible does not communicate to the ordinary person that this is a book that you have to read. Right. That it's God's word, that it's meaningful for your life. Um, yeah. So. Well, what, in what way would, how do you mean that? Like, I, everybody says it, but. but what would they, how would you not communicate? How are they not communicating it? Or people, how are people not communicating it? Well, I think about a variety, from my own growing up. So, you know, a teacher or a preacher would stand up and say the Bible is sufficient. But then, then you begin to color a little picture of Jonah and glue macaroni on it. And like, <laughs> or the, the preacher's like, the Bible is sufficient. And so the length of your skirt needs to be okay yeah, this far off the ground yeah because um we believe in the bible and you're like no well okay <laughs> i don't understand what this macaroni has to do with jesus obviously there's some important connection but i can't as a child make it right now <laughs> so anyway we don't do any of that in the atrium yeah so it's, it's yeah yeah so this this it's really kind of a serious business of getting kids into contact it's very serious. With scripture and with it's Jesus, most, right? It's the most serious thing that you can right. do. 
what I like about it, for us as a church, the shepherd has taken the scriptures very seriously, and the preaching of the word for us is has primacy. So the sermon is a big deal for us on Sunday morning, and how we handle that liturgically indicates to the congregation that it's it's a serious business. And so catechesis of the good shepherd. They the word they use is prayer. It's prayer about prayer. The atrium isn't about content. There is content in our lessons, but it's about prayer. It's a place of prayer. I I have always in my own mind, this isn't official, have extended it a bit farther and said it's always about worship. The children learn not by doing. They learn to worship God and they learn to worship through the proclamation of scripture and the prayer and the liturgy, which is exactly what happens upstairs. Um, but they have they are invited to do that in ways that make deep and profound sense for them and then that that carries them into their christian lives i was really happy because my child who did grow up in the atrium said she i'm making her take this training because i think she's going to be a good catechist she said oh i didn't know but all of my view of the world was ordered by catechesis of the good shepherd the way that i view everything is from through what happened in the atrium and how God was talked about there. So she's still sorting that out, but hmm. it's really interesting. And she does have a, a sort of deep spiritual depth and wisdom that right. I certainly probably continue to lack. I like it. I think since last night is that it, you know, it, it, one thing it does for reform people, I think is it treats kids like covenant children. Like they're not, not little unbelievers. They're not pagan they're, they're, right, right. They're, they're, they're people who are Some in of the covenant. Them are, but... <laughs> but they're in the covenant, so they're, they're 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 handed these great truths as if they belong to them, right? In um, like an inheritance in a in this from the beginning of two o'clock, two years old. You're you're this is this is this is your you're in the body of Christ. Here's here. You... I liked one of the people in our group said we were talking about the articles of the altar communion, whatever you want to call it in your faith tradition, the table. But she said, uh, this is what you do is you make the children friends with the things that go on the table, the, the cup and the plate, the bread and the wine. Mm. They, they gain familiarity, not, not in a, a, like casual, casual way, the way that we, most people think of, if it's good, then it's going to be informal, but in you heighten the holiness and the um, the reverence. You heighten everything. You make it much, much, much more formal, but then you bring the children, and they become friends in, with the um, Instead of looking at it from a far distance from the back of the church, they actually can come close, which as we know, we don't want children to come near because right. that gets, that's, that's really irritating to have a lot of children come near. We don't want that kind of thing. <laughs> Keep, Keep the them away. away in a big room with a lot of balloons. <laughs> Don't let them up near what's going on. Well, I do think there's like a lot like the, the, and I'm, I'm not, I don't think any church would like, well, hopefully not no church would, would say this explicitly, but um, 
it's to entertain them while they're young and give them like just crafts or something because they won't and be then, able to handle it they can't they, yeah, they're too they young can't they understand you can know you don't yeah. know what communion is about a three-year-old child could not possibly and you can't know jesus right you can't there's no possible way you can and i think that goes back to the weird you know age of accountability and yeah uh you know no one's able to have faith until they're 12 or, or whatever it is right um or eight i forget i forget i forgot what arbitrary age people choose for that but um yeah you can have faith very very before you're born right exactly so so in this in this that's one of the things i love most about this program is it does it does understand that and and assumes that actually Mm -hmm. um in everything that is being done and what's wonderful is as you as you begin to work with children and in this particular way you realize that anybody who thinks that a child doesn't have the capacity the potential (laughs) religious potential of the child to know Jesus is going to then lie to the child about who God is in very essential ways that are going to really place stumbling blocks. Like what do you mean? Like, Well, if you don't think a kid can know Jesus and you make them do a macaroni and cross, you're lying about (laughs) God. Like you're, you're, you're saying Jesus isn't for you. Well, that's a lie. You're saying, um, you can't understand his word. That's a lie. Mm. Uh, you're, he doesn't want you that's a lie mm. <laughs> um the big church is for the parents mm-hmm. and not for you all of those things aren't true i mean jesus himself said they weren't true yeah. so yeah. and then they that that unfolds in many many other ways right like it 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 just unravels um so you should take your children to church if you can't take them to catechesis at least take them to church right the bring church. them the things to color on them the things to put them yeah they can color the cross yeah you, well, while they're listening to the liturgy right <laughs> yeah you can put macaroni on a cross if you want i guess it's not like <laughs> that's yeah. a different I thing i don't know if it's blasphemous to do that or not right. but it's just so weird i just don't know why you would want to do that so it was really great oh so what i did is i'm passing on my anxiety rather, rather than delegating responsibility I, for years i've been saying hey why don't you come in and do this program i'll help you or help us in our sunday school and i'll teach you a little bit about this and so they think they're just helping me yeah it's ann's program it's ann Um, and i you know i don't want her to be mad at me so okay (laughs) fine so delegating anxiety is to have a room full of people who are hearing what it is being taught how to do it and then realizing the implications and the seriousness of the task yeah, and owning and owning and then being equipped to do it. And so if they, they, it is no longer Anne's right. annoying <laughs> um, whining voice in my ear. It's my own call right. to bring children I, I to now Jesus. Have, I now have, I'm equipped to do this. I'm now invested in this program. Yeah. So oopsie. Yeah. <laughs> Right, so that's good. So there's. Do we want to talk about the other thing too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't have to talk about this all day. Um, I mean, people don't really. Want it was to. a great weekend, though. It did really good stuff, and I think we had a great Sunday with baptism and yeah. two baptisms of little girls, which were really nice. I like baptizing. That baptism felt like um, we were trampling Satan down under our booted heel, and I really enjoyed that a lot. I love 
some baptisms feel like we're crushing Satan under our feet. I'm usually really good at holding babies, but this time I... Yeah, you really... You look like like you were flaying that poor child alive. (laughs) I don't know what you were doing. She handed her her to me in in a weird way, so I was trying to get the head down over the... (laughs) Over the... (laughs) Over the bowl. And so I, I realized the head was... The baby's head was flipped the other way, so I flipped also, the baby she, over. She's not really a baby. I know, she's, she's three, like, so I was like... You were like <laughs> holding her like she was a little... <laughs> so I felt bad because I usually am pretty good with these. She's a she's a little elf. Yeah. So <laughs> it was fantastic. <laughs> um, <clears throat> uh, okay, so... As you as one of our one of the things that we have been we monitor and watch very closely is the the tendency among our friends, um, well, I'm sorry, friends is too strong a word, uh, among those associated with the ACNA, <laughs> not friends, um, people we love in the Lord, but who <laughs> That's a terrible thing to say. Well, we love them with the love of the Lord. We love them with the love right. of the Lord. <clears throat> But who don't who who cannot grasp the great chasm between the uh, ACNA um, and the Episcopal Church, and don't understand what it is or why it is that we can't have fellowship with those who, um, as the Kigali statement or commitment yes. says, are walking in darkness. <laughs> Right, so we don't have fellowship. With- I love that we don't have to refer to the Bible anymore. We can just be like, as it says in the Kigali commitment. <laughs> it sounds very Roman, what I'm about to say, but I don't mean it this way. So I think the Bible is, like we were saying a minute ago, sufficient to deal with this question. But what happens in often debate is other Anglicans will say, well, that's you know that's your interpretation um, of this thing. And, you know, and of course it is my interpretation, but the question isn't whether it's my interpretation. The question is whether I'm interpreting the Bible wrong. So let's talk about the Bible, but that rarely, rarely happens. Um, <clears throat> and one of the, one of the classic retorts by those who are kind of, uh, just trending toward affirming is, well, there's not been a council on this as a church met together and said anything uh, about this particular issue. And now we can say, Yes. yes, in fact, there is and one. Keep, and There's keeps a, meeting the in church. fact, the the group of, of, of primates and provinces of which to which we belong as a as a as a province has actually met and now has decided uh, about again. again. Well, no, saying, no, we've decided the Jerusalem the, Declaration. Well, no, no, no. You, you, this, this is a different thing. The, the Jerusalem Declaration made it very clear that same sex relationships are sinful, and the LGBTQ movement is is a is wrong. But the Kigali statement has settled the question of, of whether or not we can have fellowship with those who are walking in darkness, right? Because uh, because for 20 years since the Jerusalem, Jerusalem Declaration, people have been saying, oh, well, you know, yeah, it's a sin, it's wrong, it's bad, but it's within the pale of orthodoxy or we don't have to disfellowship or we can still have, we can still have ministry partnerships with people who are leading others into this sexual sin um, and into hell because we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, they haven't said it that way, but that's what they're saying. Um, and so the Kigali statement has now definitively said, no, no, if you're, if, some, if people who are, who are promoting the affirming side of things are leading people away from Jesus into darkness, and we cannot have any kind of fellowship with that. And we don't. And our archbishop signed the Kigali statement, which committed the entire ACNA to that, that way of thinking. 
So um, all this to say, we uh, there have been several instances in which lately in which that that commitment on the part of our archbishop has been has been seen to be undermined by people within the within the ACNA. So we had the the Living Church article that came out a few weeks ago describing ACNA seminarians and affirming TEC seminarians, uh, Episcopal Church seminarians, who were uh, just talking about how wonderful it is that they can have Christian fellowship together and how they can't wait until we die off, right? Not, not, not me and you personally, although I'm sure. Well, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> but, if we're but, on actual, but, an actual list it, it is, you know, the, 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 I think one of the seminarians said, well, as soon as the people who left the, the Episcopal Church die out, because, you know, they're, they're mean, angry folks, they're the, the boomers, we're not boomers, we're actors, um, then we can have then we can have the full reconciliation with the Episcopal Church that we, we always know. We, that, that's where we're headed. That's, that's the... Um, that's the trajectory of history. So, um, the, the wicked arc. Of don't be left. Yeah. Don't be left behind. So that's what, that's, what's been, I think so the T yeah, the TLC article, um, you had the, uh, rector of a fairly, and I don't think it's very large, but it's a prominent church in, in Austin, Sean Tires, um, who saw the article and said, Oh, and he's a member of the ACA. He's not, he's an ACA rector, but he's within the diocese of the church for the sake of others, which is, which is the, the locus point for all of this stuff. I mean, when you want to know who is promoting, um, ministry fellowships, who's, who's upholding people who are affirming as if they're Christians, it's all coming from the C4SO diocese churches for the sake of others. Um, Sean Tears is director there and he tweeted out how wonderful it was that, uh, that affirming and non-affirming seminarians were getting together in these fellowships, and he called it a, an embodiment of the gospel. Um, and if you follow, you, I mean, I encourage you, if you don't, if you think I'm just kind of being alarmist or whatever, to, to follow Sean Tierra's um, Twitter page, because you see, I mean, he just, he tweets out things by Shane Claiborne, tweets out things by, uh, uh, I forgot the guy's name, Josh Lambert. I think it's, I'm, I'm sure I'm muddling that name, but people who are just very, very, very uh, um, earnest and aggressive in pushing the LGBTQ lines, and he considers them fellow Christians, and and so uh, so now lately, just the latest thing that's happened now is that it, it reports. Do you think this is coordinated at all? Huh? Do you think this is a coordinated thing, or is it just ri rising up out of the heart? I think. People? I mean, I don't know because because Bishop Todd Hunter, who's the Bishop of C four S O, you know, he's continually platforming these people who are heretical, like Katie May, Beth Barr. Um, I mean, uh, I listened to the long interview with Wes Hill. Wes Hill, right, right. Which, I mean, Wes Hill says he has, he believes that people who have same-sex attractions should remain, should not marry people. But he well, it's a, it's a rejoined thing, right? the Episcopal Church because he doesn't think it's an essential issue. Right. Which means he can't sign the Kigali commitment. Well, Bishop Hunter has been has been pushing uh, revoice and spiritual friendship for a while. And in fact, he, two years ago when the College of Bishops put out their statement on whether or not Anglicans should identify as gay, 
he and by all accounts he was there at the college and he signed on to it or he didn't at least he didn't say any give any objection um and then the letter was put out to the whole church saying don't don't do this and giving various reasons why we shouldn't um and then todd hunter wrote a letter to his diocese saying oh it's fine right? don't worry about yeah. it yeah and the whole the whole uh dispute was put was was exacerbated by a, a person named peter balk who was apparently for a while anyway in the diaconal process and who's living in this monastic situation with other gay men um and who's you know he's he's uh he at the time was really uh really a spark for a lot of confusion and and debate and todd hunter recently had him on his podcast and uh and he's definitely pushing the revoice spiritual friendship type i love this is a war of podcasts yeah, it That's is. It I really like, is. I mean, it's like a so, war of so, podcasting and tweeting. And then very recently, Todd Hunter had Shane Claiborne, who is, who is, I mean, he's, he's not even a, he's calling it, he's, 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 Shane Claiborne makes a lot of people in the Episcopal Church look like Jerry Falwell. Right? <laughs> right? Jerry Falwell is better. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> uh the the so anyway the way so i i found out about this last weekend or last week i'm sorry what the thing we're about to talk the about. thing we're about to talk about but i was but we didn't we didn't put it out because um well just for reasons we i won't get into but we didn't put it out yet so but someone else found it and they put it in and put it out on the internet on the on internet the, on the internet so so it's now um it's now part of the conversation going on. I love that. What's that? Well, it's part of the conversation going on. And I love that. Like, I love that we can all sit in our own houses with our own microphones. I just read this long thing about how having to go into the offices, like there's a big war of people believing either that you should have to go into the office or you shouldn't have to go into the office because one or the other is wicked and you know it's not even really work if you don't go into the office and then somebody did a long really helpful it wasn't a tweet it was on Substack note or something about how being able to not go into the office is such a blessing and a gift so I think it's really amazing that we can all just sit in our kitchens talking into our microphones yeah podcasting about essential matters and having impactfulness time on the the conversation going forward so okay now you can read you can start reading this so this piece. uh this was from the diet the, the episcopal diocese of of los angeles and of all the places that are that are really bad in the episcopal church and there, a lot of places are really bad just really horrible but the diocese of los angeles is the is the worst it's it is what it's always been in the forefront of of um of heresy this is just from the beginning um and mean heresy yeah yeah yeah, yeah. there's heresy and then there's there's like there's sort of well all heresy is bad but the tone of the heresy might be sort of benign or you know why, why can't we all just get along but then there's the heresy that's like going to come out and take your children you. yeah take your children we're coming for your children heresy 
right, this right. is this is of that that sort. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it, this is from their diocesan newsletter. It's by Bob Williams, and um, and it's an article celebrating uh, uh, the work that two parishes are doing together in the same building, um, and. It goes beyond just renting property or anything like that. It had, this, this is a because often, like, if you're trying to find space to worship in, you'll you, know, you you rent from all kinds of churches, right? Um, but this is not that. This is much different, much more involved. So let me read read the first paragraph. Anglicanism's via media meet at middle way is the path newly chosen by two northeast Los Angeles congregations, one Episcopal the other leasing space on site as part of the Anglican Church in North America. Um, so now, <laughs> via media is, that term is one that if you're new to Anglicanism, that's going to be thrown away around so much and you're going to have lots of kind of, lots of misunderstandings about, about what it means given to you. Um, gonna, I'll just tell you what it means. It means that it's the middle way, it's the little um, three-legged, stool that you sit over the line between um <laughs> rome and protestantism right that's what that's 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 how it's most commonly used and the three-legged stool is me my feelings <laughs> and tradition <laughs> it's me my feelings about scripture and my feelings about tradition yeah yeah <laughs> so uh but the via media the middle way is what that is in latin um is most often people think it refers to Anglicanism being something like Roman Catholic light. Like we're just, we're in between Protestantism and Rome. And so we have all the smells and bells, but you kind of sound Protestant. We're not as, we're not as mean and strict as the Roman Catholic churches, although that's the past um, under Benedict. We're in, in the Roman churches, almost becoming like the Episcopal church now. Um, but we're, you know, so, so you can, if you, if you have, if you get married to, um, a Baptist and you're a Roman Catholic, then of course you'd want to go to an Anglican church okay, because we could become Episcopalian because it's it's via media, right? Um, but that's not what that within Anglican Anglican doctrine is not a via media between Rome and um, and Protestantism. It's it's much more it's much it's it's firmly Protestant. Uh, the via media was uh, used to describe the relationship that Anglicans have between the Lutheran way of understanding the gospel and, and Calvinists or Reformed theology. We, we're, we're, we're midway between those two things. We have Lutheran elements to our doctrine and, and thought, and we have uh, Calvinistic elements to our doctrine and thought. In particular, um, we... I'd like have, to say we have the best of both worlds. Yeah, well, we, we haven't, we have not adopted the, the the reformed with candles yeah 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 we've not adopted the the more strict reformed understanding of worship like the, the, the regular principle where you can't have anything that the bible doesn't prescribe for um worship or in polity you know we all we, we clearly would take the normative principle on that like lutherans do and say well we can do anything that doesn't violate scripture and it's with that's decently in order decent in an order so we have uh, bishops and priests and deacons and we have organs and the candles on the altar and we have pictures and we call it an altar and we have pictures on the floor on the wall and all, all kinds of things you wouldn't see in a really strictly reformed calvinistic place. and it means if you want to have a guitar you know and a screen you can still be anglican because 
Oh, just barely. Barely, though. I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, you can't. Yeah, there's, 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 there's like with, can, if your bishop is okay with those things, then yeah, but that's just. You, you shouldn't wear skinny jeans, though. You shouldn't wear skinny jeans, right? So, you know, our friends in Sydney sometimes, and even some in England, don't have, have eschewed the, the use of vestments, right? Which I, I find very disturbing, but oh well. Yeah. Um, I don't even know if they're Christian over there. Yeah, they probably but... left the faith. But so Via Media is between Luther and Calvin, not between Rome and and Protestantism. Um, okay, but but in quote unquote progressive circles and progressive Anglican circles, that term Via Media has become like like its own thing, right? So. So you know how it's you, like one of the thirty nine articles. Well, but no, but you, you know can't, you you tack it on at the end and the via media. Gosh, right, right, but but you know how like sometimes um, uh, one one penchant among uh, revisionists is to take like the doctrine of the resurrection, where we're talking about Jesus rising from the dead and his in the in the end when he comes back, everyone else being raised from the dead, and then instead of talking about that. They'll take res- we're going to do resurrections this Sunday. We're, we're, we're resurrection then becomes an ideal that that transcends the actual resurrection, and and becomes something more like we're going to open a soup, soup kitchen. We're resurrecting this Sunday. We're resurrecting this. So so it becomes a a, a a a it breaks the tether between the historical thing we're talking about. And becomes its own like little philosophical thing. Isn't this where you like leave off the article? Yeah, you don't. So you have resurrection and story and (laughs) right right um so i can't think of it impactfulness but you don't have the right the story or the resurrection of the dead the so you want to get a good example this we listen to you know go back and they're probably still online somewhere go listen to Catherine jeffrey shorey any one of her resurrection day sermons any of her any of her easter sermons and you're you're not going to hear about jesus rising from the dead you are going to hear a lot about spring flowers and and having a new look on life and feeling differently because resurrection, right? So, so via media is kind of taken on the same thing. So it's not, so historically it means the middle way between Rome and, I mean, excuse me, between Luther and Calvin. Uh, but now it's taken to mean any kind of meeting in the middle of anything, right? So if, if we're meeting the T, if the Episcopal church is affirming, you know, uh, Gay sex is meeting with the ACNA, which rejects it via media. It's it's a, it's a work of the Holy Spirit. Look at look at these wonderful things that God is doing via media, uh, the middle way. That's so that's what's that's what's here in this in this article that we're reading. Um, and we're just in the first paragraph. Let me go. Let me go, keep going. Let me read a few paragraphs actually. One time we can talk about it. Is it okay. It's fine. I, we're not going to get. This is going to be like one of the longest podcasts of our right, lives. Time, We've time. been going for half an hour. Oh, right, okay. Well, look, we can wrap it up. After this, Highland Park's All Saints Episcopal Church, founded in 1904 and worshiping in English and Spanish at 5619 Monte Vista Avenue, has voted to welcome Church of the Resurrection, formed in 2016 and cheerfully dubbed L.A. Res by congregants, to locate its ministries on campus and share the A-frame sanctuary worship space. This agreement, forged by both congregations, leadership, groups and endorsed by Bishop John Harvey Taylor and the Standing Committee of the Episcopal Diocese of Los Angeles, reflects presiding Bishop Michael Curry's view that Episcopal congregations may find productive common cause with those of breakaway denominations such as the ACNA. Quote, at a House of Bishops meeting last year, Bishop Curry asked us all to keep in mind that, in his words, the ACNA of 20 years ago 
is not necessarily the ACNA today, which is fascinating that he says that, right? Because that's exactly, notice, yeah. notice how it dovetails with people who are saying, well, I can't wait until all those, those boomers die, die off, right? And then we'll have a, we'll have a truth. I wonder, I mean, it sounds, it's very coincidental that Did he's saying that and they're and saying this? that, I don't yeah. know. Um, so Taylor told the news, uh, I'm sorry, he said that many of its congregants and even leaders were not as invested in the doctrinal disputes of the early years of the century. And he hoped we would not be either. He stressed that he wasn't asking us to put aside the gospel priority of equality for all. This is an Episcopal denomination or Episcopal publication. So take this with a grain of salt. He stressed that he wasn't asking us to put aside the gospel priority of equality for all across barriers of identification and orientation. He just wanted us to go into any conversations we had with, AC, with the ACNA with hearts of reconciliation. That's just what our colleagues did. And I did working with our siblings as language. Uh, that's what our colleagues and I did, working with our siblings, or brothers and sisters, at LA Res, Taylor continued. After all, looking at the many denominations that nest in our missions and parishes, almost all are more conservative than we on key questions. And yet in church after church, these exercises in practical ecumenism are reaping wonderful a wonderful harvest for our, for our Lord. Um, so just several things. You, you know, this is the Episcopalian talking, but... In her mind, there's definitely a, a brother-sister relationship here between the two churches, um, and uh, it's ecumenism. Uh, and um, we've had this talk before, this conversation. It ought to be an interfaith yes, conversation. Yeah, it's <laughs> there is no ecumenism between the Episcopal Church and the ACNA. There's at least the affirming side of it. Um, there's only an interfaith conversation, and that's done totally differently. And the problem, the problem with that even is that. In genuine interfaith conversations, everyone recognizes that it's an interfaith conversation. <laughs> so, so if you're talking to a Muslim, the Muslim isn't trying to be, a, isn't saying he's a Christian. He's a Muslim. But one of the reasons you can't have actual dialogue, conversation, and greeting with with affirming quote unquote Christians is because they won't drop that moniker Christian. And if you treat them as if they're Christians. Even though they're not, you're sending a confusing message for reasons we've talked about millions and millions of times. Um, let me keep going. Sure. Are you? Well, I think it's really just uh, uh, it's it's just I did I say this somewhere else? We were defeated basically in ten years. We've we're totally defeated. Yeah. If this is even a thing, then. Right. We haven't had a serious, we haven't been serious about our task. So that's super discouraging. I do think the House of Bishops or MCB College of Bishops needs to consider whether or not we're, we, we are, are going to be part of the Kigali commitment. And if we are, then this kind of thing has to stop because the, because <clears throat> the provinces in Africa, the global South that are taking the commitment seriously are going to lose a lot. They're going to lose money. Yeah. They're going to lose resources. If they don't, if they don't, if they're not with Canterbury, money is going to be pulled out of their, of their churches and their, their place. And they're going to lose a lot. And so here we, if they look over at the States and see us having these little, these little ministry partnerships with TEC, what does that say? I mean, and again, though, they've put their neck out for yeah. us over and over again. They've, they've, 
I mean, it's been a long, long time of trying to sort this out. And the, and they in the global South were far more horrified by what the Archbishop of Canterbury did this year than, I mean, what, what tech did 25 years ago was really, really, really bad. Yeah. But for the, for the church of England to apostatize is horrible. So horrible. And I guess, you know, the ACNA didn't feel the pain of that as keenly as they should have. Right. Um, but it's not, it's, it's, it's really embarrassing that this would be a thing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that the ACNA itself as an organization wouldn't do anything just like repudiate this loudly and, um, with, with stuff to back it up. Right. Um, so here's LA Res's rector, the Reverend Tisha Hadra agrees. Uh, quote, what has been so lovely is the relational welcome that we have received in our conversations with all saints, um, priest in charge, Otto Vasquez, um, and a longtime warden, Dan Valdez, um, as well as Bishop Tyler or Taylor and the standing committee. Quote, there is an openness to doing more ministry for the sake of the kingdom. And that has been really refreshing. Okay, so in this ACNA rector's mind, um, the Episcopal Church is, uh, is and, and the ACNA, her church, um, are doing ministry for the sake of the kingdom. And that's really refreshing. <clears throat> it, it's not refreshing because you mean what the ministry for the, the, the kingdom that, that the Diocese of Los Angeles works for is the kingdom of Satan. It's a, it's a, it's a dark, they, they serve the dark Lord. <laughs> And they're leading people into his clutches, and you are doing ministry with them. And um, that's not just Matt Kennedy being the, the firebrand or whatever. That's 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 the Kigali statement. <laughs> that's that's the Kigali commitment. That's what our 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 primate and our province has 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 uh, has agreed to. Um, Hadra, who holds a law degree from the University of Florida and received a Master's of Divinity from Pasadena's Fuller Seminary. Ah, that may explain it right there. Regularly joins the Reverend Canon Melissa McCarthy, Diocese Canon of the Ordinary and Chair of the Diocese's Deputation to the Churchwide General Convention in conversations related to ministry and the Highland Park collaboration. They even call it collaboration. This, okay. This, if we're, really funny. If we were putting this on standpoint, <laughs> we would have, this would have to be Vichycon. This would have to be, let's get General Patain, 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 image and put it on the, <laughs> the article. Um, I'm excited about all the possibilities this new relationship between All Saints, Highland Park, and, and LA Res will offer to both communities, um, said McCarthy. Otto is a clear, a strong and clear leader. His work alongside the lay leaders of All Saints has been a blessing and will continue to yield grace upon grace for that community. Otto and leaders of All Saints had the wisdom and courage to see past the historical divisions into a bright future for both congregations. <laughs> Tisha, it says, sounds like propaganda. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Like, you have like the painting of the Stalin getting pictures. Yeah, with the did, children. With the children. Flowers. Yeah, getting, yeah, right. <laughs> right, right. Um, Tisha is an enthusiastic and energetic and strong leader of LA Res. While these remain two separate churches, I believe both congregations have much to offer each other and their communities 
and their communities. I can't wait to see what God will unfold in this collaboration. <laughs> just... I don't understand though. Why can't they just become Episcopalian if they're so excited about all the collaboration? Yeah, the... Just, you can get even better collaboration if you're actually. Yeah. A, a... Why don't you become an Episcopalian and then like that'll be great for you if you don't have yeah. any issues with the Episcopal Church. Uh, there's literally, I keep saying this, there's literally a church for you if you want to be affirming. Yeah. Or you think being affirming is not that big of a deal. There's literally a church for you. Right. And metaphysically and metaphorically and yeah. <clears throat> figuratively. Um, so it's a very long article and I don't think we want to read the whole thing since we're running out of time. And um, But it just goes on, it details just numerous ways that the two churches are cooperating and collaborating and doing all the um, unifying and common causing. So It just really also make, feels like I'm reading uh, The Great Divorce. <laughs> it feels like everybody's chatting together on the bus down to hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or at the bus stop. Like, it's, it's almost a verbatim conversation between two English clerics in the bus stop in hell where they're like, yeah, it's a bright future and we've got a um, <clears throat> we've, uh, we're going to build a, you know, another wing on our church and they're, and then they, they drift off from each other because they're not actually worshiping God. Right. They're, it, it's really terrible. So I'm really tired. So that's like the deep thought I can think <laughs> of to say is that's really terrible. Everybody's so creative. <laughs> In the Episcopal Church in the ACNA. Well, this We're is... doing it this way now, I guess. <laughs> I, know I, know we, I, know, I know you wouldn't do it this way because it says not to in the Bible, but that's how we're doing it. It's differently different. I know you, you there's no reason to like, you know, join together with the Dark Lord, with the Dark Lord, but you know, it's fine. I know that's, that's like that meat is raw on the inside, but it, it looks, it's great. Just take a big bite. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, uh, I'm, I'm hoping, well, some good news. I feel like we, we hope against hope. Well, no, I mean, so, so, okay. Like some really notorious false teachers have left the ACA recently, like uh, Matt Tebb has left for the TEC, the yeah. Episcopal Church. And, you know, like you said, um, uh, um, West Hill left. And, and I've, I've been kind of watching, lurking some of the conversation going on on the really far left circle, far left uh, parts of the Twitter sphere for the ACA. And a lot of these were really frustrated and wanted just chomping at the bit to, to leave. And they want to leave. And that's good. They should leave. They should go. And that that at the, every single time, um, uh, a, an affirming or they wouldn't even say they're affirming. They are probably uh, every time someone who's uh, a relativist, I'm sorry, a revisionist, uh, leaves the ACNA, an, an angel, angel gets, gets his wings. <laughs> <laughs> so we should be very happy. More angels are being their wings. Yeah, heaven is being coming full of angel wings. <laughs> okay, so I think we're going to go over to demotivations. Somebody asked me, and I forgot, I really meant to go back on and 
comment on Facebook, why is your blog, your new blog, your new Substack called Demotivations? Especially because a lot of people point out to me that I'm busy out there motivating people <laughs> to repent of their sins, go to church. But what, the reason I thought of it a long time ago was those demotivation posters where, you know, the, the eagles flying over the, the landscape and then it's like, says something like, you're going to die today. Or the, or the, uh, because they're, they're taken out there. There used to be like in the 90s. Motivational posters. Motivational posters like this teamwork or, um, or, uh, you know, ambition and you'd have these inspiring pictures. And so demotivations does, puts the inspiring pictures on there, but then like has a picture of the Titanic sinking into yeah. it. Uh, maybe the whole purpose of your life is to be an example it's of others. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, team, the Titanic teamwork. <laughs> <laughs> but I do want because I also the that's part one part two is I I have read so much self-help motivational literature in the last four years I've read Rachel Hollis and Jen Hatmaker and Glenn Doyle Melton and that blah 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 I've read them all there's like this motivational uh-huh. and you know, hey hey guess what guys you can't save your soul so, hey, let me demotivate you to, like, mm. stop trying to do that. You're, <laughs> if you don't stop trying to save yourself and trust in Jesus, you're going to go to, you're not going to, you're going to go be with the dark Lord. You're going to be getting on the bus and not to come up to heaven, but to go down. So you should, uh, you, there's no motivational literature that will actually make you figure out your life in a coherent way. There's no routine that will, there's no way to hack your life to make it better. <laughs> life hack. Yeah. So I'm thinking, though, it would be super fun to become a life coach. Um, like, and put up all the stuff like you're going to be a life coach. And then when people pay $800 for your course on the first day, you just be like, Ha 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 ha! You, there's nothing you can do to make it better. <laughs> I think we probably here's Jesus. That. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, so if you'd like to follow us over to the demotivation section, but uh, other than that, thank you so much for listening, and we will probably be back next week.